Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is the London is Blue podcast. All things Chelsea. Keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. All right, we've got another midweek podcast. Chelsea fans all coming at you, thanks to the Champions League being back in our lives. Obviously, it's a great week um, when you have multiple matches coming off an international break because you just miss it so much. And just like I miss Chelsea, I always miss Dan and Nick not having you guys around to chat Chelsea with. But talk about an emotional roller coaster of a match. Dan, I saw you even tweet how it went from a win, then to a loss, and then back to a draw over the 90 minutes. Yeah, it was probably the crappiest roller coaster I've ridden in quite some time from an emotional <laughs> standpoint. I don't know about you, Nick. I mean, you've been skydiving recently, so you've had some key highlights in your life kind of ticked off in the box there but this was uh maybe not the the way i wanted to tick off the box for this match no 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 uh, it was uh it was kind of a, a shit storm uh, of, of sorts but uh but certainly you know the, the team did fight back a little bit brandon and i think that gave us uh some hope heading into the weekend there's definitely hope. Uh, obviously, going to be breaking down everything that happened in the Roma match. Uh, we'll look ahead to Watford and just talk about your questions. But I do want to let you all know that this is a little bit different of a format than what you're used to. Uh, we were excited to be able to have Jason Cundy, former Chelsea player, Chelsea TV host, and talk sport presenter, joining us on this call. Uh, Nick. It was fantastic getting to chat with him. And like I said, right off the bat, we jumped into Roma. And once we got talking, it just kept going. Uh, everyone's going to be pumped to hear what Cundy had to say. Yeah, so big shout out to Jason. Uh, we, you know, we've been joking on Twitter with him that we've we've been trying to get him on for like two years, um, but uh, finally worked out. And um, you know, I think Dan, it was a tremendous conversation. He's so great to uh, to listen to on Talksport and on Chelsea TV. But I think uh, as it pertains to this show, he uh, he brought a lot of insight. Yeah, you know, we we got him to stop ghosting us. 
And uh, <laughs> you know, he responded back to those DMs, and uh, we made it happen. So you're going to get a really great you know conversation with Jason. You know, he brings a lot from the perspective of uh, a broadcaster, a former player, and someone who you know bleeds uh, Chelsea blue through and through. So uh, we hope you enjoy this special edition of a Champions League London's Blue podcast. Champions. No, absolutely. Uh, and you know, before right before we jump into it, uh, guys. Nike is finally putting out Chelsea gear and apparel that we can, you know, lounge in, wear around every single day. Maybe hang on your wall even, Dan. Oh, you know, I mean, uh, athleisure is really popular right now, Nick. Mm. I don't know if you're aware of this. Oh, it is. On worldsoccershop.com, there is a line of uh, Chelsea training wear, uh, you know, nice kind of uh, track tops, uh, also bottoms that, uh, to Brandon's point, you can, you know, you can wear those all day. You don't even have to wear them just when Chelsea are playing. Dan, are they like yoga pants or, or what are you talking about? No, no, these are more of a, uh, you know, kind of a fitted athletic pant uh, that you <laughs> could wear uh, themed to the, the Champions League colors. So if you've seen the recent photos from uh, the grounds as the team prepares, uh, they're all available right now on worldsoccershop.com. So you can check them out. Yeah, you should you should go buy some of that stuff and then and then shoot us a photo of you looking uh, slender and, and awesome. And we will retweet that. We'll share the love with World Soccer Shop, Brandon. Let's do it. All right. Well, you know what? No more waiting. Here we go. Our interview with Jason Cundy. All right, Chelsea fans. Well, as it stands, Chelsea played AS Roma today in the Champions League at Stamford Bridge. And in case you missed it, it was 3-3, six-goal thriller. Um, you know, just kind of jumping into it right away. Obviously, a lot of goals. Uh, 11th minute, Dan David Luiz opening his account, scoring from his midfield role today. Yeah, and uh, I noticed afterwards there was a photo of him right as the ball was uh, being misplayed by the Roma defender <laughs> forward. There was a smile on his face before he just lofted into that uh, attack on the ball and uh, scorched it past the, the keeper, which uh, was, was quite wonderful to see. Jason, did you ever score a goal like that in your time? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Um, scoring goals was definitely not my my forte. He, he took it, he took it exceptionally well. And you mentioned there about the smile on his face. It was almost as if the Roma defender had set him up. You do those sort of drills in training, where you lay a ball into someone on the edge of the box, they set it back for you, and you just and bend your foot around it. He couldn't have struck it any better. Um, and it was a lovely finish. There's a great angle actually from but a high wide angle from the Matthew Harding end looking at the goal and it, it just it bent away from the keeper. Beautiful strike. And you know, you better say at that time, perhaps against the run of play a little bit, because I thought Roma really started well. I think they definitely started well. I mean, they came ready to play. Uh, points to be had on the road. Uh, you've got the Rudiger connection, obviously Antonio Conte playing against another former Serie A team. So, you know, some dots to cross. But I think a big thing that we saw was David Luiz stepping into that midfield role where we saw him against Tottenham. But, I mean, Cundy, he started off uh, very composed, almost like he'd been there all season, which kind of surprised me. He's a good player. You know, he's a, he's a good footballer, talented boy. Um, I think at times against Crystal Palace, I think he showed that he can still lapse back into that that very relaxed style. Um, but with Christensen coming back, who I think actually deserves a place in that back three, I think he has been been, been excellent whenever he's played and consider himself a little unlucky that he didn't get back into that team after he had those games because David was suspended. And it kind of made Conte, because he's got Conte missing, kind of forced him to, to play him in there a little bit. And David's a, he's a competent boy. He can play in those positions. He's incredibly talented. And no qualms about him stepping in. As you said, he done it against Palace to great, against, um, against Spurs earlier this season at great effect. Nick, do you think we'll see David Luiz there more as the season progresses, especially if we continue to have so many injuries in midfield? Yeah, I mean, I think that we look at Christensen as kind of the the wild card in the scenario too. I mean, he's he's played so well um, since coming back to the club that it gives Antonio Conte uh, flexibility somewhat uh, to think about David Luiz a little bit different. And uh, you just see, you know, he he possesses all these different skills, um, kind of a jack of all trades. That you know, it's kind of a shame not to use him to his to his fullest extent, right, Jason? Agreed. It gives him options, and, and David can do that. We've got a number of players in that squad, actually, that are versatile. And David can play in there. And because 
we've got Kante missing. And because we actually left ourselves a bit thin in that midfield area, we've seen Matic go, we've seen Chaloba lead, Loftus Cheek has gone out on loan as well, and Nathan Aki can also play in there. So the squad itself, perhaps it's, it, it tells you that the squad itself is not hasn't got that strength and depth that we've experienced in years gone by. The fact that he can and perhaps has to consider David Luiz in there. Well, another bit of a change, obviously we've seen it before, is Hazard playing alongside Morata, Dan. And in the 37th minute, uh, it was exactly that, Morata to Hazard. Bit of a deflection to help the ball get there. Um, but man, I love seeing Hazard in a more central role and being that much closer to goal. I think he's a lot more willing to shoot when he starts in the middle as opposed to if he's out wide cutting in. And, and, and you know, as much as you know, Hazard deserves the credit for the strike, I think Murata and the way that he played that ball up top, the kind of awareness to just draw the defenders in a little bit further to give Hazard to set extra second and a little extra space. You know, I, I think that probably is what, in my mind, set that goal up uh, you know, more than maybe Hazard's kind of placement. What do you think about that, Jason? Do you know what? It was, it's a tough finish that. I don't know if you saw it, but the, the ball itself, had a lot of spin on it. And those balls, although they look easy, when they drop out the sky and they're spinning, as I would have seen that, it's all about just making a good contact, hitting the target, and hopefully the ball, because it's got so much spin on it, will go past the keeper. And he did all of that. You don't have to put your laces through it, just get a good contact. And actually, despite the fact he was so close, it was actually quite, it was a tougher finish than he made it look. Oh, he was so composed and calm. I mean, he made it look effortless. It was... I mean, Nick, it was classy. Obviously, he had another goal later with his head. Um, but I thought overall, like, it was a good day for, for Hazard, even though he surprisingly, to me, got a bit of stick on Twitter. Yeah, that was interesting. I think Twitter was just angry today. Um, and there's nothing you can do when uh, when the Twitterverse goes uh, goes full anger. So uh, I thought he played pretty well. You know, this is only, you know, the third time that we've got to see him and Murata link up. I think from what we've seen thus far, Jason, that looks to be a connection that uh, Antonio Conte will love. And hopefully we get to see more of it. Well, let's be honest, if we're going to do anything this season, and it's been a bit of a stuttering start to our season, you would have thought that those two boys are going to be an integral part for our season. Um, the fact that they are linking up is, is definitely positive. I still think there's more to come from Hazard. I know he's had that ankle injury, and we need to give him perhaps a little bit of space. Um, but you always look to your best players in the big tournaments. And Hazard popped up with two goals. I still think, and, and I want more from him. Now, people tell me that he's world-class. I think he's in that bracket just below, personally, at the moment. He's shown last season and the season before that, of course, when we won the title in 15, what he is capable of. The best players in the world are the most consistent players in the world. And that's a part of his game that I need to see more of, that consistency. No doubt the boy's talent. No doubt what he's got under the bonnet. But I just think that we need... And if Chelsea are going to have a season this year, we're going to win in the honours, he has to perform. Oh, absolutely. But I think on the other side of the pitch, you know, 40th minute Kolarov just splits Azpilicueta and Zapacosta. Uh, unfortunately, I know he got a bit of a deflection off Christensen, um, but we're conceding quite a few goals today. And and there was that one. And then obviously Dzeko had two goals. Uh, but what kind of threw me off, Dan, is that Chelsea conceded three completely different types of goals today. Like it wasn't just a weakness like last year where Spurs had Dele Alley on the backside post over Azpilicueta. Uh, we were beat one-on-one. We were beat on a set piece. And then we were beat with a long ball over the top. I mean, a, a little shaky defensively again today. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dzeko is uh, quite the striker, and uh, it seems like Man City present uh, decided to beat us this year, and uh, Man City past decided to uh, go in for a little bit of run. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you know, I-, I think you can't feel bad about uh, the one Dzeko kind of worldy that he scored, Jason. I think he was in, you know, just rare form, and, uh, I mean, he scored, you know, 30 goals in 36 games for Roma, so he's he's quite the danger man. Yes, he is. Um, I felt, to be honest, I thought Roma, when they got the goal uh, from Kolarov, I felt, I felt they deserved it. Um, Courtois made a really good save down to his right-hand side as well. And it, really, I, I think they were the better side throughout the 90 minutes. Um, if you've got someone like Dzeko, you know what the boy's all about. The problem with the, the first goal, I mean, it's a good finish with his left foot, is the ball, no one has put pressure on the ball. You know, it's a lovely ball over the top, but when you've got someone like Dzeko in that sort of form, 
you've got to make sure that you stop the route to him. The prevention is better than cure. It's a brilliant pass and it's a brilliant finish. But from our point of view, I'm looking at the midfield. Can you stop that ball getting played? Mm. You're looking for over the top. Christensen's got caught under it a little bit. I think he'll be disappointed he hasn't got closer to prevent that strike that's coming in. From their point of view, brilliant. The header, I mean, it's a lovely ball in, but he's got a free header inside the box. And Jekos, we know what he's like in the air. We know how, how good he can be. He should have had another one. He should have had a hat-trick, actually. And, and I felt the one that he missed was the easiest of the lot when he missed Great. it at the near post. And again, you know, stop balls coming into the box. When it's a free kick, you've got to have your best header of the ball with him. I can't believe we didn't have anyone within five yards of him. Um, so from our point of view, a disappointing goal to concede, especially the free kick one. It's a free ball into the box. Come on, someone's got to chat. Even if you can't, even if you can't prevent him from winning it, someone has got to put him under a bit of pressure. It's a great delivery. It's a good header, but from our point of view, a bad goal conceived, really bad goal. Just, and the, hey. you go back to the collar of what? The collar of goal. It, it is, it's not. You seen last season Kolarov trying to catch Hazard up at, up at Man City's place? He burst through. Both both the players who are closing him down are both square. You don't need both of them to close him down. One can close the ball. One sits off. And of course, you're letting Collar go through like that. That's, yeah, and the goals we conceded tonight, from our point of view, were really poor. Uh, Jason, do you think really quick on, on set piece defending, do you think that the kind of zonal marketing uh, aspect against a guy who's so lethal in the air like Jekko is is a bad strategy? Well, I mean, I don't even know if we were playing zonal, were we? I mean, it just felt to me as if, someone, if he's escaped. If you're, if you're marking zonally, you're, someone has got to attack the ball. You're, you're effectively marking space. Now, you have got to go and attack that first space. I don't know what we were doing there. I couldn't honestly tell you whether it was man-to-man or zonally. And that, again, is, is concerning. There's something not quite right with us at the moment. I can't quite put my finger on it. We're conceding two, five goals in two games. We conceded a really poor goal. When you think about the goal that, that, um, that uh, Zaha scored, it wasn't too dissimilar to the, to the Konorov goal today, where he's just bursting from that left wide hand space and he's got through in on goal. Two goals from the same area, two similar goals, it is cause for concern. And, and I'm a little wor- worried at the moment about where our season is going to go. Palace in particular, so you can get beat by City. They're, they're a good team. And Rome are a good team as well. But just looking beyond that, the bigger picture, we're conceding too many easy goals, if that makes sense. And I take the, the collar of what the, the, um, the Zeko goal over the top was a brilliant finish. Stop it at source. But five goals in two games is, is cause for concern for me. Well, I thought a big change, especially on that Jekyll long ball you're talking about, was we had switched to the 3-4-3 three, three then. So that way, Dot, we didn't have the three in the middle anymore. We only had two. And I felt like Romo were able to sit in between our midfield and forward line with that midfielder and have time to kind of dictate play. And that's the ball we weren't able to close down. Whereas in the first half, we were able to shut that down and kind of pin them back. And I thought that was something that changed in the second half, not in our favor. Um, it, you know, as you kind of talk about um, you know, where the season's going and how we're doing. Um, I, I don't know, Dan, I guess, like you said, we're kind of, last year we were so rock solid defensively and we're able to let players like Hazard and Diego Costa go on their own and attack. I mean, this season, it, it just seems like it's always a tale of two halves. We're not totally able to be able to um, uh, put the like full cohesive performance together all 90. Uh, you would think that Conte with his pass would just lock it down a little bit more and start from the back and work his way forward. Do you think that that's the way it's going to be as we go forward? Or is the fact that we're switching formations mid-game is really kind of thrown the team off? Oh, and, you know, I think that you mentioned the idea about switching formations in the game. You know, I would imagine, you know, Jason, like as a, a player's perspective, like you train for that type of situation and training to adapt to, you know, in this moment we need to be, a, you know, a, a two, five, three, you know, we need to potentially move and shift to a three, four, three at some point in the match. Let's kind of practice out what that's going to look like. And it seems like, you know, you mentioned also where the goals kind of were coming from and kind of the backside uh, that Azpilicueta really has been the one who has looked just a, you know, a pace or two off his normal, you know, star studded self who really kind of could do no wrong um, has really maybe struggled in these past couple matches as a part of that defense. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, what Conte has done, uh, he, he's done it before at the Juve 
all accounts with Italy. He started against City and tonight with a five at the back. And he was worried about the pace and the fullbacks pushing on and having that width. What that essentially will do, it will give them more space in the middle of the park. We'll get outnumbered. That was why he took that was why he took David Luiz off and put Pedro up, trying to force them, force the issue the other way. So effectively, you've got two up top, you've got five at the back, and the middle of the park is open. And I thought Roma took advantage of that. Actually, when Pedro came on, I felt although he conceded those two goals, I felt offensively we offered them a little, we offered a little bit more. When you change the formation, we've got, as I said, we've got versatile players, players that can adapt to different formations. That shouldn't really be a problem. You change formations, and that's what you've got to do, and a good manager will recognise, I have to make a change. Things aren't going our way. I have to make a change. And the players are good enough. At the moment, it feels as if we're a yard off it. We're just a yard off it, and that's something that we haven't become used to under Conte. We've always been on the front foot. And at the moment... We seem to be going by five at the back. I think hands the initiative a little bit to the opposition. And by doing that against good teams, such as City and Roma, you've got players that can keep the ball, they will pass around you. And we saw that against City, and I felt for large parts of that game tonight, I saw that. And by changing the formation back, I felt was the formation we should have started with. When you think about what we did against Atleti, we played the three at the back, we played five across the middle. And those wing-backs... It was, it was um, Zappa Costa today and, and, and Alonso. Those, they played deeper. When they play with a five, they can push higher up. And I think we cause teams more problems when we, take, when we perhaps seize the initiative and take the game to them. And just thinking that maybe Conte's just got that, that part of the game tonight wrong. Hey, hey, Jason, really quick. I think something that I've noticed, especially over the last few matches um, that you know, haven't been great performances, is that the kind of the trademark fire... Um, within the team, chasing down, doing those little extra things hasn't necessarily been there. Have you seen that, or am I just overstating it? No, we haven't played well. You know, this is not. This has been a tricky start for us. Um, we've had a number of personnel changes, both both in and out. Um, as the champions, you're there to be shot at. Against Burnley, um, we had a bad 45 minutes, and Gary got sent off as well, which, which. I, th- I think you have to give Burnley huge credit. Sean Dice got his, his tactics right. And first half, he made that extra man count. Second half, I thought we played much better. But then you feel, going into the other games that we played, we destroyed Everton, got a brilliant, brilliant victory away at, at Spurs. And another tough place to go in Stoke. But then you go back to what you saw what we did against Atleti. Atleti was three and a half weeks ago. Or there or thereabouts. Since then, we have been second best in every single game. Second best against City, second best against Palace, which is, is, is worrying. And tonight I felt we were second best. We got Watford at the weekend who beat Arsenal. And if we do that again against Watford, against the side that are like Marco Silva's teams, they play high press, they, they're at it. If we do that, we could find ourselves unstuck. So no, I, I, think, I think you're onto something. I don't think you're, you're imagining it at all. Well, I think a lot of that too, you know, we, we've kind of talked about the mentality as well of the team, you know, up to nothing tonight. Then going down two to three. Thankfully, though, there was enough fight back to get the draw. You know, like you said, if we just yes. would have kept yeah. pushing, I thought we could have got to that three nothing, killed it off. But to be fair, like you said, Jason, Roma were definitely in the game to get a goal. Um, but it just kind of seemed like at two, we kind of got maybe a little bit comfortable. Well, yeah, I thought both goals actually were against the run of play. Um, I thought they, they, they passed it well. They moved the ball well. They got the ball into wide areas very well. We've got someone like Sheko up top. You're going to play to his strengths. Um, you're right. You know, two to up, really, you should go on and win that game. They've got to give Roma some credit. They came here tonight. They, had, they, they were looking for the victory. And at 3-2, I have to tell you, I couldn't see us getting an equaliser. I thought Roma were well and truly on top. And you're right. To, to, to get ourselves back into that game showed there's a lot of speculation about Conte's job, the back pages of a, a lot of the newspapers that the people will be waking up to tomorrow morning are suggesting that he's under pressure. And we know what we're like as a football club. You know, we know what Roman can, can be like if things aren't, partic- aren't working particularly well. And it just we sense the newspapers feel there's a story brewing at Stamford Bridge over the coming weeks. Hopefully, we'll fend it off with a victory against Watford. Well, at least thankfully, Nick, as it stands in the group, Chelsea are at the top, <clears throat> excuse me, on seven points. 
Roma second on five. And the big kind of surprise to me, I know a lot of people are talking about what was the surprise of the, you know, the week kind of Atletico versus Carabag. You had, um, oh, and then you had Dortmund. Uh, they were drawing against Apple and Nicosia. I th- thankfully Atletico or maybe Carabag did us a bit of a favor today as we drew at home. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's it's not a great result um, to to you know be up two nil, go down three two, and then draw. But when you look at the scope of this group uh, and and the matches we have remaining, um, you would you would assume that we, you know, get all three against Carabag, you know, and then we have Atletico at home, which will be there for, and you know we have to go to Roma, which will be. A tough match, Jason. That'll be uh, one that we we might be hoping for a draw from. I take a point now. Absolutely, you're right to make the point about Carabag doing us a, a massive favour, and they've struggled this season, Atleti. And, and you know, it, all of a sudden that victory away, it takes a little bit of a shine off it for me because they struggled at home, they struggled in La Liga, they, they, they obviously didn't perform tonight, but it done us a massive favour because you know we're, we're an extra game through. The, uh, the group stages and our position hasn't changed no one's got closer to us but no one's got further away from us so yes it wasn't a great performance yes we conceded three but the plus side is we're still top and yes so we got a Carabag we, we have to win that game we've still got Atleti of course at our place but Roma away could decide potentially who wins that group well and that that seven goal or uh, six Six goal differential over Roma is super helpful as well, um, especially as you consider, you know, we blasted Carabag, uh, Atletico Madrid and Roma uh, did not. Um, and that, that really gives us uh, an advantage for now, not saying that they won't in, in kind of the return legs, Jason, but you know, certainly goal differential plays into this. I believe so. I don't know if you remember a couple of seasons ago, we went out of the group stage. Our goal difference was better. I don't, I'm not sure of the, the rules this season, but it normally goes head to head. So I, I, I'll, um, you might want to do it, might want to check on how that works. Um, because the, the couple of seasons, we scored more goals in the group, we went out and ended up dropping into the, uh, into the Europa League. But listen, if, if we take care of business, we take care of our home games and don't get beat against Roma, we will be fine. We, we, we will top that group um, but it's um, you, you know you want to top it you don't you know in, in seasons gone by what it can be like if you finish second and all the big heads that are waiting in, uh, in, in advance for us so um, yeah finishing top of the group is crucial well I know going into this match after the disappointing result against Palace I was kind of telling the Chelsea faith lot there were, who were essentially losing their shit that hey you know <laughs> we, we need to wait for Roma to see. If we lose at home to Roma, we're in trouble. I think then we can say the wheels are rattling pretty good. You leave with a 3-3 result, I think that now you're still holding on. Like, okay, we're still in balance for now. You know, as Jason said, heading into Watford, it's going to be a big match. I mean, who would have thought that at this point when Chelsea head into this match against Watford, uh, Dan, that Watford would be ahead of us in the table? Yeah, and I think that's all credit to Marco Silva too. You know, you know, got a, you know, had a great experience with Hull last season as he came in on the interim, uh, found an opportunity to you know continue coaching in the Premier League, and you know, Wofford have looked really, really strong. Uh, Richardson has been a really nice addition for them. You know, it's a uh, you know a shame uh, Chaloba will not be uh, present due to a little surgery that he's had. But you know, Jason, I think we're we're unfortunately facing Watford at the wrong time because they're in quite fine form. They are. This is going to be a, a tough game. You're right to make the point about Marco Silva. What he did at Hull, I was very impressed with them. They came to our place last season at Stamford Bridge and they really put on a show. Right? And then Harry Maguire, who was their centre half, who's now at Leicester, I felt was the best player on the pitch. Um, and they play with a certain style in a certain way, and he gets his message across very quickly. You can see what he's done at Watford. They have a number of really good players. And you know what? If we can't beat Watford at home, I don't care how good they are, I don't care how good they've been, I don't care what players they've got or manager, if we don't, if we don't beat Watford at home, we have got problems. That's how I see it. We've had, a, we've had a shot across our bowels with Palace last week. We didn't play particularly well tonight, but we managed to come away with a point. If we lose against Watford, then the problems are bigger than my first fear. Well, like you said, that's that's going to be, you know, uh, like I said, we're right now we're game to game. We're match to match to see 
how we're doing, how the season's going to go. Uh, you know, but the matches aren't going to lighten up at all. We've got essentially midweek matches uh, in a couple weeks, obviously with the return leg in the Champions League. And then sure enough, uh, next thing you know, we will actually be in London uh, watching the Newcastle and Atletico Madrid return leg. So um, again, it, the games are going to come thick and fast. Uh, one person who I've said repeatedly, uh, Jason, that I want back in the team is Danny Drinkwater because we need another midfielder, especially one that can hold shape as well as he can. Yeah, well, he's um, he's come with an injury. He's, he's not a stay fit or even you know, get fit, really. I'm disappointed for him. Um, we're going to need bodies in the middle of the park. I made the point about the fact we let Matic chill over and lost his cheek and, and Ake go that can all play in there. He's been bought in for a reason. Um, and as soon as he gets himself fit, he will get his opportunity. Of course, with him and missing and Kante, two players who do a very similar job, makes it that much harder for us. But um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in a Chelsea shirt. Um, and we're going to be leaning on lots of bodies by Everton next week, of course. So you're right, the competitions come thick and fast. The games are going to come thick and fast. But, that, you know, that's what you want. That's what we, you know, Chelsea fans... That's what we want every single season. So um, bring it on, I say. Jason, who would you start against uh, Wofford at the weekend? If, who's your 11? I would start. I would definitely have Zappa Costa right wing back. I think Antonio Rudiger can consider himself a little bit unlucky. Aspilicueta is an interesting one. He hasn't played particularly well. There's been two goals that have been conceded on that right-hand side. I wonder whether you could bring him out for that game. I wonder whether you need to mix things up a little bit. I definitely would start Christensen. I think he's done enough to prove he's a capable young We're going to expect Watford to come at us. So we're going to need to make, make sure that when we win that ball, the transition between taking, winning it off them and keeping it. So Fabregas has to start in the middle of the park for me. So I would go, I would actually go, I'd go back to three. I would go Rudiger. I'd go Christensen. I'd go Cahill, Zappacosta, Fabregas, Bakioko, Alonso, Pedro, Hazard, Morata. Well, there it is. I mean, I think that, I don't know. I mean, so there's always the Cahill debate, and he didn't seem to be at fault for anything today. And I don't think it's too much for Palace either. And it, I think that's where so many people focus goes to, but you're right our right side has actually been the more troubled side this season. And again, everything's kind of flipped from last season because that was our rock solid side. If anything, people were up and down Alonzo's back last year for not defending enough. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe give Azpilicueta a, a one-off break, Dan, and we can um, slide Rudiger in because he seemed to have done very well. I love how good he is on the ball, especially at finding the attackers going forward. Um, but again, uh, you know, Watford also play a three-five-two at times. I think that we could really, you know, hopefully use this match, like like Jason's been saying, to go at them and kind of put them on the back foot. Uh, I mean, it gives you the option for you know a little bit more of an aerial threat. Uh, can play on you know multiple sides. You know, it's very comfortable, and you know, it could even you know deputize on a wing back position if necessary. So when you talk about the versatility on the pitch that Jason's mentioned a couple times, I think Rudiger getting the opportunity to give Aspilicueta a little bit of a break here in a, in a tough spell would be nice to see and, and would show some of the flexibility that we you know, are going to have to you know leverage, especially as we kind of compete across you know these four competitions as, uh, as long as we remain in all of them, which is the, uh, the important part. So Nick, I guess kind of with that being said, um, I mean, do you have any different ideas as far as the lineup goes from what from what Jason said? Uh, yeah, I struggle because I, I think I mean, as long as Louise is not seriously injured, and I think there was like a precaution tonight bringing him off, you know, after he was kind of grabbing at his calf a little bit. Um, as long as he's not yeah, he totally injured. Yeah, he picked up a knock today. Yeah, Jason, do you have any more information on that? Uh, no, but by all accounts, um, he did pick up a knock. He looked a little frustrated when he came off, didn't he? But yeah, um, from what I've from what I've heard and just picking up bits um, by social media, it, it seems though he did carry a little bit of a knock. So you think he, he might be out for the weekend? Do you think? Yeah, I, well, I mean, it depends. Obviously, how bad it is. We've got a lot of games coming up, um, but I, I would I would give I would give him a rest if that is if that knock is as serious. Um, but for him to come off, then you know maybe the weekend is a bit too soon. 
Yeah, that's a good point. So then I, I like Jason's lineup. I think what I might do, um, you know, because I think I think Morata is kind of in that same boat. You know, you, you he was healthy enough to play ninety tonight. You would have loved to gone up three nil and take him off, um, give him a bit of a break. But uh, if he's good to go, I would probably play that three four three and just try and find find as much fluidity and attack as possible. Man, I feel like we're just flirting with Murata's hamstring again. I know we did it I so know. much with Diego Costa, his first season at Chelsea, and even bit his second. Um, but right now, I tell you what, Jason, literally our season is depending on Murata's hamstring at this point. You're right. Um, it's a concern. The fact that we didn't get Lorente, um, which I thought was a, a failing from the club not to get that second striker. Um, clearly, that's why he's not fancied by... Conte, he showed that last season. He showed that by not bringing him off the bench against City. He showed that by taking him off five minutes into the second half against Palace. Um, he's, a, he's a goal scorer. He's not a centre forward. He's a second or a third striker for me off the bench. Um, and the fact that we didn't get Lorente, I didn't get someone that can do a similar job to what Morata does and what Costa did, I think could well be if we, if we have a long-term injury in Morata, my God, it, it, it worries me. The transfer window, of course, in January could be could be interesting. You know, much has been made and, and fairly, I think, of the of the squad. Perhaps it's a little thin. It'd be interesting to see what business we do decide to do in January. I mean, I think that a, a striker, a, another body, is a must. Even last season, right? You had. Um... Dom Solanke, at least he was a body. In this season, we literally, it seems we don't have anyone. Maybe um, maybe even look at Tammy Abraham's younger brother, or I mean, Shalaba's younger brother, who who does so well in the youth team. But you're definitely bringing someone in off, out of the cold, Dan. Um, but with that January transfer window, if Drinkwater's still not healthy, then you're going to have to go and get another mid. I mean, defensively is the place where we have numbers that we know. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you hope that, you know, when N'Golo Kante comes back, uh, Bakayoko kind of at full fitness, um, you know, maybe the, the match kind of uh, the barrage of matches dies down just a little bit and, you know, we have some more stability. We can get some guys rotated and some rest. Um, but I, I do agree with the point that Jason's made that a, a striker needs to be on the top of the, the January shopping list. And, uh, you know, Chris, Christmas isn't going to come in time for that. So we'll have to count on uh, Roman and the board giving a nice little gift uh, after New Year's. Well, that'll be something we're all going to be waiting for. But uh, Nick, I guess anything else that you want to say to kind of wrap up this match that we had against uh, against Roma today? I mean, we saw Nyingland. He looked up for it. Uh, obviously, a lot of Belgian connections with him and a lot of us saying, man, I, we really wish we would have gotten uh, him. He's a he's a player, isn't he, Jason? Yes, you can see exactly why we were interested and why a number of clubs, uh, not just in England, but across Europe, would, would, would take him. Um, very impressive. I, I thought they all were, actually, but he was one of the players. And he was earmarked beforehand. You know, you guys would have known that, that he was one of the players that, that clearly makes them tick. Um, and I thought he was as good as anyone out on the pitch tonight. You can't even tell that he smokes cigarettes, Nick. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think his neck tattoo gives that away. Cool. But uh, other than that, no, he was tremendous. I really, um, I, I think I would like to see more from Zappacosta, frankly. Um, you know, I think that he did okay. Um, he, he obviously um, is is a more attack-minded version on, on the wing, but um, I didn't see, you know, that, that kind of, one really good cross tonight. I saw a couple of subpar versions of, of what we know he can do. So that would be a call out. And again, I think just the energy um, that the team showed is, is a little bit disappointing, um, but hopefully they're able to, uh, to get it back Dan. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, not just with Zappa Costa, but also, uh, you know, Alonzo is one of the guys you would normally count on in, in these moments who's been, a little bit of a, a pop-up hero from time to time. Uh, you know, I, I was hoping that he would, you know, find a good moment to to make his imprint on this game, and it didn't seem like that uh, ever came about. And you know, J- Jason, just from a thought into to January, is there anyone from like a striker or forward point that you know you are looking at or think would be a good option, or you know, anyone that comes to mind for you? Just quickly, just going back on that point about Zappacosta and Alonso. Because we played five at the back today, that really restricted what Zappacosta's got under the bonnet. 
and his job primarily wasn't to go forward as much. And I agree that it went, sitting five at the back takes away what Alonso can do out wide, what Zappa Costa can do out wide. I, I really felt that he, he needed to take the shackles off a little bit. And, that, and when he brought Pedro on, although he conceded to, actually I thought going forward, I thought we looked a bit more dangerous. Up front, it's always difficult to go and buy a striker in January because the players that we're going to be after are probably going to be in the Champions League and they're probably going to be playing for top teams who are in the, knock, in the knockout stages. So it's a tough market to get right. Um, Lorente would have been perfect, uh, as I've already made the, the point. I think what you want in January, you want a player that knows the Premier League, that knows that can come in and adjust quickly, who's, who's not going to be cup-tied for the Champions League. And there aren't many out there. You know, I mean, Tammy Abraham... It's a real shame that, that we, didn't, we didn't really have a little bit more faith in him. Um, he, would, he would be playing. He'd be getting minutes on the pitch now, right now. So that's, that's disappointing. But I don't think there's anyone out there that jumps, off the, that jumps off the page that is an absolute certainty to sign because of the points that I've made. Um, unless you can go and pick someone up then, that, that, that's just going to be a backup striker that's experienced, there's no one out there, really, right now that I can think of in the Premier League that's available. But um, listen, the scouts' job is is to go and source these players and to look at, and there may well be someone, you know, that's that's that, that, that can do a job in the in the. I mean, you look at the Europa League. You know, there's players by all accounts. You are not cup tied if you played in the Europa League this season. You are not cup tied. So there might be someone out there in the Europa League that's that uh, that could be available. And I think that's a great place because obviously, you know, like you said, uh, the scouts will build the profile. We'll have to go out and see you there. But I mean, the good news, you know, for them is you come to Chelsea right now in winter, you're going to have opportunities to play because unfortunately for Mishi, anyone that comes in will pretty much go right above him in the pecking order. And uh, so at least they'll be getting opportunities. We've had so many fans tweeting at us and, and talking to us about the fact that um, Tammy can't be called back in January. And that's such a heartbreak for them. Obviously, we brought Ake back halfway through last season and, and was able to have him in the squad and use him. But um, man, it, it, it's going to be tough the way I look at it. So um, I don't know. We'll, have to, we'll just kind of have to wait and see. Obviously, you know, January, um, we, we the biggest thing is fitness for us. Um, Cundy, do you see anything different with the physios um, and how they're working with the team? Or is this just kind of a freak occurrence that we happen to have so many hamstrings and other injuries in the squad right now? Do you know what? Over the last 10 to 15 years, Chelsea Football Club's medical team have done a remarkable job. Absolutely. Bear in mind how many games we played. We do not suffer what the Gooners do. They, for every, every season, will have injuries that will impact on their squad and they'll be left light and the key players missing. i tell you what is a little concerning is that all of our injuries, our main injuries, are all hamstrings. Now, I think it's fair to have to say that the Kante's injury picked up while on international duty with France. So maybe you can remove that and maybe put that down to, to something that's been done there, but it's still a hamstring. We see Morata pick up a hamstring injury as well. We just see Moses go down with one. Maybe there is something in that. I don't get down to the training ground uh, at all nowadays, but maybe there is something in there. Maybe that, that training has changed. Maybe there is something that they're working that they're working on. They will be looking at it. That's, that's one thing for sure. It hasn't escaped your notice. It certainly hasn't escaped mine and it won't have escaped theirs either. So um, we, what's this space? Hopefully that, that we won't be getting, because soft tissue injuries are avoidable. The, you know, the, 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 the knocks or the breaks, they're the ones that you can't avoid, but soft tissue injuries, especially Moses in the first half, you know, that, that type of injury I, I think is avoidable. So yes, it, there is a little bit of cause for concern there. Well, I know that's something, Nick, that someone's been, you know, we where we're talking to someone about is, you know, Conte is known for these hard physical training sessions and, and training intensely. Uh, I remember he came to Chelsea and said his favorite word was work in English. You know, uh, <laughs> we got to talk to him at the press conference last year when they were uh, in Minneapolis for preseason here. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't know how to half work when some of these guys are tired. Right. I think the the balance, uh, the challenge that we we're always going to face is without a without Champions League for a year. Um, you know, I think the it, there's a lot more training. There's a lot more time to get rested. You know, to have to go 
full out in a match, you know, two to three times a week is a lot different than just once a week. Um, so, I mean, Jason, back from your playing days, you know, how, how did you guys handle those situations? Well, don't you, I think you need to remember the travelling as well. There's more travelling this season as well because True. of those journeys. And we're not talking 15 minutes down the road, are we? We're talking about plane journeys as well, plus international duty. Um, in terms of, well, I never, I never played in the Champions League, so I never had that. Unfortunately, never had that that concern. But there are in the modern day games now, there will be people employed at the club to ensure and watch exactly how many minutes and what they've done. There'll be graphs. They'll be using technology. Uh, CPS, they do all, they do all of all of the um, satellite navigation. They will know absolutely everything. And there's a there's a certain the, I think it's in the red zone where they'll be looking at how many minutes a player has played, how many minutes he's trained, what intensity he's trained at. So they may have to go back and, and revisit that and just have a look and see what what is happening because seasons can be ruined by injuries. We've been very lucky over the years. We very few players have gone out for long long term injuries. We don't seem to have, especially soft tissue. So the game has changed dramatically since uh, from when I was playing. Jason, we got a we got a question from our boy Philip Tran, who's a regular listener to our shows. Why why does our midfield look so pedestrian without Ingolo Conte? You know, kind of speaking of injuries, and and that's a big one for the squad. He is unique, Ingolo Conte. I've he is a freak of nature. I've never seen a player cover so much ground and win so many balls that you're going to miss him. And I'm not saying that we've become reliant, over-reliant on him, but when you have a player that does that job so well and does it, to, 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 for me, the best in the world, you're going to miss him. Bakioko can do something similar, although he can't cover as much space so quickly. But that is the reason. Also, Fabregas, that's not his game. You know, you, you, I, thought, I, I felt against Manchester City that, that when you're playing five at the back, I felt that the three in the middle of the park, Kante, Bakayoko and Fabregas, I felt for Fabregas because he was asked, being asked to do a job that doesn't actually come to him and he's not the best at closing down. He's not the best at tackling. He's not the best at doing that job. Uh, and when you ask him to do that job and you're relying on him when you haven't got Kante as well, I think perhaps it exposes him again for, for not having that. He's got a lot of qualities, Fabregas, but one of them isn't in closing down and tackling. I think maybe that's why we did look a little bit pedestrian. David can do it. Bakayoko can do it. Um, but I, I, I think as a team, I, I, I just feel as though we're a yard off it at the moment. I don't think it's just in the middle of the park. No, I think you're right. I've talked about that multiple times. I mean, we're asking Fabregas, especially in a two-man midfield, to do something he's not good at. And it's not pretty when we see him tackle back or, heaven forbid, put in a slide tackle. Um, you know, but I think that another thing is the mentality. We go back to this, like the killer instinct. Um, and I think that's something that we really rely on Eden Hazard for. If Hazard is up for it and he wants to keep running at players and essentially, you know, I, I don't know. I guess, do you think that Hazard sets the tone as far as the killer instinct goes in the team, Jason? Well, Hazard is one of those unique players that makes things happen for nothing. You know, from, 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 you know, he can turn what looks like a relatively safe position defensively. They may feel as though they're set up. Hazard can turn and do something. And you, as I said earlier, you look to your best players in the biggest competitions to put in those type of performances. Um, we haven't seen the best of Hazard yet this season. Um, that's still yet to come, which you know is encouraging. And you know, had, you know, if we were sitting here now saying Hazard has put in his best performances and we still aren't playing particularly well, that is cause for concern. So yeah, I still think there's more to come from him. Williams having a tough time at the moment. I, I think that's that's fair. Um, and I'm, I, I feel for Pedro. I don't know what more Pedro can do, in all honesty, to, to get himself to get himself a start at, at the moment. So. Um, you know, you, like I said, but also Morata and Batshuayi, when they're when they're up top, they're relying on those players to deliver. No, absolutely, and shout out to Shane for that question as well. So, Jason, one another of the questions that we got was from uh, you know kind of our followers, Aiden, who asked uh, you know, and I don't know if I, you know, I think he actually can because <laughs> the question is 
can Conte tactically handle the big matches? And it probably comes on the back of, uh, you know, this match against Roma, uh, the, you know, loss to Man City recently, I'm sure has kind of, you know, just shaken a little bit of the foundation. But I think there's also a need to reflect upon last season and the win streak that we went on with this team. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, Conte's ability tactically to uh, to manage the game and, and to be the one who helps the win occur when maybe the players aren't, you know, necessarily performing at uh, top class? Well, manager's career is decided on a number of things. Obviously, results, the transfers that they that they make and how they, they integrate those new players. But thirdly is how you can turn a game that's not going your way into your advantage. Tactically, maybe personnel change, maybe a shape change. And Conte, I think there's been one or two times where this season I've been a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. Against Palace, when Moses came off, it was obvious to me that we couldn't live with the pace of Zaha and Townsend who were getting in behind us where the wingbacks were. I think when he bought off Moses, I thought there was an opportunity to bring on Rudiger Plus Aspilicueta to right back, change our state to a four, have Cahill alongside Rudiger and then and then uh, have Alonso and move David Luiz into that midfield area with a, a central two of him and, and Bakioko and then put Fabregas as that number 10 role in, in behind Batshuayi. And, you know, it's easy after the event. Every, you know, I've never made a mistake after a game, you know, when, when talking about it. But there's been a, t- a couple of times, again tonight, you're looking for your manager to come up with something. I think it's fair to say that Pedro changed it. I thought we looked better with Pedro going forward. I thought we looked much better with Pedro on the pitch. But you look back over the games last season, I think the manager showed he's got, he knows tactically what he's got in his team. But what I'll be looking for this season, and I think there was a stat to show that when we've gone behind in a game, we've not won it. And that is something that we need to change. You need to be able to change that around. When we've gone behind, we've not gone on to win it. And that's, that, that, that's where managers earn their corn. And if there's a big game and we go behind, what can he do tactically and shape-wise to change it in his favour? And, and I think there's, we're still waiting. There's, there's, there's more questions than answers at the moment. Awesome. Well, again, um, thanks, Jason, for joining us on the podcast. It was a, a pleasure, pleasure boys. to talk to you. Um, and I guess we just want to say again, like um, it, it will be in London for Newcastle and Atletico Madrid. So if it works out, we'll say hi to you in person. Um, yeah, we might we might hit you up for a, a post match drink at the Butcher's Hut, huh? No problem at all, as long as you're buying the beers. All right, sound, at least the first round. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks right, again, Jason. Jason. Have Cheers, a good rest boys. of the night. Thanks, Jason. Thanks. Take care, boys. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye, bye. Awesome. I mean, guys, what a fantastic opportunity it was to talk to Cundy. Um, you know, real quick before we move on to our next section, I do want to point out um, that I got this pretty clean email uh, highlighting all of the different cleats uh, and indoor shoes that World Soccer Shop is putting out, and they have absolutely slashed prices. Nick, I know you still buy them because you use them for foot golf. That is correct. Yeah, I, I recently brought um, some Nike Mercurial uh, turf shoes. So not like the full cleat, but the turf shoe that you can use for foot golfing. Won't tear up the uh, tear up the course too badly. Um, they're awesome, and you know, got them at World Soccer Shop for a, a nice little discount on their on their sales section. So, uh, Dan, where would someone find boots and or turf shoes and or indoor shoes of this quality and variety? Well, they could go to worldsoccershop.com and on the top banner, there's actually a button for sale and you can go there and find those great discounted boots. Uh, and you can kind of look like Nick and, and who doesn't want to do that? Um, beard not included. Hopefully you lose a bit more weight than than I have failed to do. Yeah, and like I said, I'm always interested to hear, I still buy cleats because I still play and coach, uh, but you know, if you guys are out there and you're still playing and stuff, like let us know. Uh, I'm a huge uh, kind of cleat junkie uh, i i mine are seven eight years old so if you guys have someone to start exchanging picks like let's tweet at us we'll start a little boot sharing revolution um but moving on uh, out of the world soccer shop area uh and and back into kind of the next thing on our docket now it is october 18th as we record nick and that means there are a very limited number of days left for anyone out there that's listening to us right now to make the life-changing decision in a good way 
to go to London. Uh, I, f- I feel like this was going to turn into a telethon. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you only have four more minutes. Uh, no. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to London. You guys know this. Uh, if you've been listening to the show, um, you know, we are so excited um, to, to get back over there to kind of revisit the digs that we uh, that we had in May. Uh, when we saw Chelsea play uh, Middlesbrough, um, we are going for two matches this time, two matches over six days, and it is just going to be tremendous. Uh, Dan, what else is included in this trip besides uh, hotel and match tickets and all of the fun goodies? Uh what isn't included in this trip? Uh, one, it's the exclusive London is Blue uh, Keep the Blue Flag Flying High t-shirt, which is only available uh, when you go on a trip with us. Uh, but beyond that, there will be a live podcast that we will do. There is an uh, evening planned at the Atlas Pub where we will be uh, enjoying drinks with uh, many of our friends that we formed uh, close, close bonds with overseas. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, FaceTime with other, you know, Chelsea fans from around the world. You know, we've had people from Australia. We've had people from uh, the u.s and then you know uh, it seems like multiple other countries potentially this time too that are going to join up and you know take the pilgrimage and uh you know much as uh, brandon was potentially you know treating it like a cult announcement uh, i mean it kind of <laughs> is like that you know uh, there's a cult of, of loving chelsea and getting a chance to go and see these matches and you know, based on current firm, maybe we don't get to play in the Champions League next year. So who knows? Uh, this might be your opportunity right now for the next uh, foreseeable uh, future. The hard sell. I love it. Yeah, no, I mean, Brandon, this this trip, I mean, we, we did form pretty close bonds with the with the folks who went uh, in May. I mean, it, we, we might even have a chance for some for some fun extras yet to be disclosed as well. Not always. And, you know, not to like you know, put the hard sell on, but we all know that Stamford Bridge as it stands will be getting torn down and rebuilt into an absolute fortress. Uh, but that's going to take a while. And so going back to London and seeing Chelsea play, it's just not going to be the same for the next few years. And so I think that um, we've got, we picked literally the best dates to go watch Chelsea this season. We spent a lot of time looking at the entire calendar. We actually waited almost a month longer than we wanted to to announce the dates to see where the Champions League dates fall. I mean, we've seen it. Chelsea aren't guaranteed to be in the Champions League, just like the men's national team of America are not guaranteed to be at the World Cup, you dummies. So, Had to bring that up, didn't you? You know, Had it's to. still it's still it's still bitter. I figure maybe if yep. I talk about it it'll it'll get better, but it's not. <laughs> Um, But anyways, look, uh, we love to socialize. Uh, We love to go grab drinks with our friends that come with us. And um, like I said, the stadium tour, uh, getting Curry down in Fulham, talking to Fulham fans, uh, going and seeing Big Ben. I mean, guys, London is just uh, an amazing city by itself, uh, let alone having the opportunity to go see so much of Chelsea jam-packed in a short span of time. Yeah, and I mean, guys, like, just let us know if you have questions. Like, there are no, there are no wrong questions. There are no dumb questions. Like, we have we, operators standing by to answer your calls right now. There, there you go. Tell not, not calls, but you could, uh, you could tweet at us. You can yeah. DM us uh, individual accounts, uh, the accounts for. Um, and, you know, and what we'll try to do is if you have questions, we can h- hook you up with one of the people that went last time and, and get their perspective, too. Because, you know, I mean, we, we had a great time. And, you know, the, the, the survey and the uh, the feedback we kind of got afterwards was everyone had a, a really excellent time, too. And it was some some life changing experiences for a couple of people. Right. And, and I think that's the, the point is, you know, we're going with with our sponsor on this XL Tours. They took care of us last time. They will take care of you this time. Um, you know, it is a, it's truly kind of a first class experience. Um, you know, it, there's a bit of a difference kind of knowing, you know, that your hotel is going to be a four star hotel, that you're going to have breakfast every day that, you know, that we know where we're going now um, <laughs> on match day and, and just kind of around so we can be a little bit better tour guides, Dan. I, I think there's just a lot of positives to, to making this happen. Yeah, so I think the real thing is, if you have questions, let us know. Uh, thanks, Textile Tours, for making this happen again. And we are really, really looking forward to um, it becoming November so we can start thinking about our trips, too, because uh, we are just as excited as everyone else who signed up already. All right, so last call. November 1st is the deadline to sign up for the December trip. Again, you're going to see Newcastle at home and Atletico Madrid in the Champions League at home. To sign up and get more information or email us a question, head to londonisbluepodcast.com forward slash London trip. 
Uh, but no and, more. And, and really quick, if you need to work with them on a, if them being XL Tours on a payment plan, that is still accessible. So um, you can split up your payments a little bit and, and make it a little less of a strain in, in, than it would be in, uh, in one fell swoop. So back to you, Brandon. All right. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this. Uh, honestly, what a special episode it's been. Um, having uh, Cundy on, a person I listen to talk sport pretty much every day on the way home on the bus from work, uh, and I love it. So uh, go follow him at Jason uh, Cundy 5 Maybe tweet at him that you listened. You know, Show him a little bit of love from our audience. Uh, but any final thoughts from you guys, uh, starting with Dan? Uh, no, I mean, it's, uh, it's just a really tough period. And I think, you know, as much as we don't want people to lose their poop emoji, it, uh, it's currently happening. Um, but you know what? I mean, we'll we'll get this sorted out. I think everything's going to be okay. All right. Well, there you go. Dr. Dan on the line in case you need help. Uh, but Nick over to you. Uh, I would, I would just quickly say that, um, you know, this, this season is going to be a lot tougher. Uh, I think you just have to mentally prepare yourself for that. You know, in the, in recent weeks, it's kind of been Murphy's law. Everything that could go wrong will go wrong. I guarantee you we're going to have more injuries because that just seems like how it's going to go. Just uh, stay the course. Uh, we're, um, you know, we were blessed last year to win the, the title. I think it'll be a lot harder this year. And, uh, and let's just see what we can do in some of these cup competitions, huh? Yeah, I think we're finding out how much we did benefit from no Champions League last season while everyone else was trying to juggle it all. But, you know, as Cundy said earlier, this is the dream. This is what you want. So hopefully we can get players back to fitness uh, as soon as possible. With that being said, just fans, we are going to wrap it up. Uh, hope you enjoyed this midweek special, double special with Cundy, former Chelsea Blues defender. Uh, but until next time, hey, you know what to do. It's only Saturday and then we're back at it again. All right, keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop, make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.